You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. Welcome back to Talking Nicks. We're coming back from the All Star break. We we decided to take a, a break ourselves, being the the all-star second-best Knicks podcast that we are. I'm here with my good friends Tom and Big Baby David. Hey, guys. Let's talk Knicks. And I'm, I'm not even going to ask how you guys are. We're just going to get right into it right now, because this is a rapid reaction pod. We're, we're recording late at night after the Knicks-Nets game. Knicks kind of just lost a heartbreaker. They were losing by a healthy amount most of the game. And then um, they got it cut to three with the ball. Julius Randle went up for three. Kyrie kind of blocked it. And by kind, I mean definitely did block it. Randle lost in his hands a little bit, came down with it. And they call a travel instead of a, a, a bobble, which they called for, for James Harden, the possession earlier. The guy was doing that. The bobble sign, the ref doing the bobble sign, and, and that's all she wrote for us. We ended up losing by five. James Harden gets fouled on, on the inbounds and hits two free throws, and that does it for us. So rapid reaction, Tom. We know you feel bad because they lost, but some other words you would you would use. Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I actually took a little vacation. Um <laughs> Oh no, we're not doing the hey how are you's. Okay, so Don't getting care. into this, yeah, no, no one cares. Getting into this game, um, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me was probably the Knicks defense. Um, I don't know, gave up fifty eight percent from the field to the Nets. They scored thirty five points in the first quarter, thirty two points in the second quarter. That's a rough first half of defense. Um, I think the a huge factor of that was, and I, I tweeted a little bit about this, was just the, the pick-and-roll defense. James Harden was picking apart the Knicks, um, particularly hitting Jeff Green on rolls. Jeff Green was hitting everything. He finished the game like 8 of 11 from the field with 20 points, which is more than twice his normal output. Um, it was that pick-and-roll defense that was killing us, and uh, eventually... Thibodeau called a timeout, said, guys, just switch everything. Forget trying to, like, contain Harden on the ball. Forget trying to, you know, the the bigs, like Julius Randle was having a really hard time splitting the difference between the rolling big and James Harden dribbling. So just, like, switch everything. And after we did that, I feel like things got a little bit better. Um, the Knicks only gave up 29 points in the third quarter, just 21 in the fourth, so much better defensive effort there. But that first half was a little bit too much to, to overcome. Yeah, I mean, our um okay start to the podcast has never felt more appropriate. This is like almost the best win of the last several years. And it just feels kind of like it got ripped from us. I mean, it could have easily not finished the comeback. Um... 
But I mean, yeah, in, in second, fantasy, second land, half stepped up and all that. It's hard to hard to feel good at this particular moment because kind of hit record right after that. Yeah, I mean, but in in fantasy land, we might as well say we would have completed the comeback if, I'm but d- for yeah, I'm down to the refs blowing the call. There's no downside. He probably gets a four-point play there. We win in regulation. That all sounds probable so. to me. Um, Greg, what did what did you see? Was there anyone in particular that you thought played well? I mean, obviously this game I think was a little bit closer than we expected it to be, at least. Um, granted, the Nets were missing Kevin Durant. We were missing Mitchell Robinson. That's a big deal. Also missing Derrick Rose, who is a big-time and, and, uh, initiator. And Alfred Payton. That's I wouldn't fine. say we were missing him, Greg. But, uh, but, but he wasn't I available. will say that we were missing him because of what we saw out of that second unit. I think I don't know that Alfred Payton would have helped them necessarily, but him pushing quickly back into the second unit would have been helpful. It's a good uh, call. Yeah, that, so that quickly, second unit came in in the first quarter and just bombed, just, just atomically bombed. Um, there was just no one on the court who could even potentially attack the basket, who could put pressure on the defense. That that unit was it was Frank Nilakina, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, Taj Gibson, and Reggie Bullock. And like Burks is the only guy who could even like create for himself a little bit. Um, granted, Toppin only played four minutes this whole game, so he got subbed out of there pretty pretty quickly. But in general, that four second minutes, unit just had no offensive burst, no firepower. Four minutes minus 12 in huh. those four minutes. That's, it felt like minus 12, too. It wasn't like... It did. Know, it, it, did. it didn't yeah. shock me. It certainly... Yeah, I was going to say it certainly felt like four minutes too many. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he, he just like gave a, you nothing in those four minutes. Less than nothing. It was, it was minus 12. It was his... But it was, all, <laughs> again, his defense, because they kept... They kept doing that kind of power forward pick and roll with Jeff Green and with whoever else they're putting out there. That's why they kept putting Julius Randle in those pick and rolls, and he had a, he had a really hard time defending him, like I mentioned before. And Obi Toppin in his four minutes, they like redoubled their efforts, just attacking him over and again. And yeah, it was it was ugly. It was as ugly as the minus twelve would indicate. Yeah, and like it was very back and forth in the first quarter. A lot of great offense. Starting off, I think we were only down four or so at the end of at the end of one five after yeah. one, and then you, like I said, minus twelve. It was very, very quickly. It was we were losing by seventeen, so they were able to fight back from down seventeen in the in the second quarter, and then they they actually got back down eighteen, yeah, kind of late in the game. For and for a while, it felt like. You know, we once they got down, the Nets just kept being able to keep us at arm's reach. Like I felt like somebody responded to one of the talking Knicks tweets with this, and it's true. It felt like every time the Knicks started to get a little momentum back, Joe Harris would just hit kind of a devastating three. And that's that's what he does. Um, but it just felt like we were always at arm's reach, always always at arm's reach. Couldn't quite get enough stops, and then the second half it, it turned on. Finally, started getting the stops. And, yeah. and even that first quarter felt a little unsustainable just because of the three-point shooting. I mean, Reggie Bullock came out on fire. He he finished the game with 19 points, 7-12 shooting, 5-10 of 10 from three. 
And a lot of that damage was done in the first quarter, certainly the first half. And it, it never really felt like that was going to be a sustainable thing. And I think the Knicks three-point shooting kind of came back down to earth a little, a little bit. Um, in the game, you had Julius Randle finish three of six from from behind the arc and, and quickly just was launching. And we needed him to. Like I mean, there was certainly some questionable shots, as there always are with, with quickly, just because he's still learning the ropes of, as, of being like the primary initiator. And in some cases, he, he did a good job of that. In other cases, not so much. But um, he was definitely not afraid to take it his shots from three and he finished four or 12 from there um finished with 21 points overall just two assists but no turnovers so you like to see that um that's good and again he wasn't asked over and over to be the point guard for this team but even so that's that's still nice to see um i don't know i'm curious was there anyone else you guys want to talk about like rj barrett had a game he, he had 23 points um, but it, most of his damage it was, a was done slow from the, start, right? From the free throw line is where, where he did a lot of his damage. Yeah. Yeah. The free throw line is kind of the, the biggest number that sticks out on the Knicks. Like whole box scores is 10 to 10 at the, at the stripe quickly, just briefly, you know, I don't mind his launching and we needed it to a degree in this game, but he's in the second unit. It certainly, certainly has the pass to kind of, shoot more or less whenever he wants uh it was it was a little bit too much at times in this game because they just weren't hitting but i'll live uh, yeah, i mean there was yeah, rj cool hit 10 10 free throw that's he's never done anything close to that before i don't think yeah and then in addition to rj there was julius randall who i will get back to rj but randall was also launching away tonight. I mean, he's he is our our all star, but even by his standards, he had a, a season high twenty seven field goal attempts tonight. Based on my quick research, looks like he shot twenty six times against the Jazz in our victory against them, and he took twenty five shots last time we played the the Nets. So this was his his high on the season in twenty seven, and it it kind of felt like it. it. Felt like he was he was really getting after it and. and Firing away from three, shot six threes, shot twenty one twos. So I got no problem with that. He's our best player. So yeah, and, and the he, and the he, Nets don't have it. a matchup, you know, to to match up against them, right? Like you look at their power forward as Jeff Green, who's just too small. You, I mean, they couldn't switch on him, right? They they a couple of times they switched James Harden, who's typically good as a post defender. I know Doris Burke mentioned that. Um, and that's just kind of something that NBA analysts have been saying for a while is how stout Harden is in the post. But Randall's a whole different animal. Like, he is just a beast down there. He's way too strong, way too aggressive. And even James Harden, as strong as he is, he couldn't contain Julius Randall in the post. So that was good to see Randall kind of, you know, it looked like he was taking this game personally. He's going up against multiple superstars. And he, he showed what he could do tonight. That was encouraging. Um and just, just real quickly on Harden, because I mentioned him, he did finish the game with a, a pretty wild box score. It's 21 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. My goodness. And granted, seven turnovers. The, the Nets in general were very sloppy with the ball. The Knicks rarely force turnovers. I, I want to say that we're towards the bottom of the league in forcing turnovers, but the, the Nets coughed it up 15 times to the Knicks only eight times, which is one of the reasons why the, the Knicks took so many more field goal attempts than the Nets did, huh. which, you know, again, it's why they were in the game. 
it wasn't because of their accuracy. They shot 40, the Knicks shot 40% from the field. The Nets shot 58% from the field. So um, it was, you know, the getting all those extra field goal attempts from turnovers, from offensive rebounds, where the, the Knicks got 13 offensive rebounds to the Nets three. Those, all those just added up to additional shot attempts, more shots on the rim, and, and ultimately a close game. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at this box score again. <laughs> Julius Randle played 41 minutes and was plus two. So those OB Toppin minutes with the minus 12 and four minutes that he replaced Randle, it's humorous. And there's there's, there's no way to know what would have happened without those minutes because the pace of the game would have been different and the Knicks did get down a healthy chunk and we had to we had to mount a pretty a pretty wild comeback down there at the end. I think we were losing by like ten with like five minutes left. Actually, eleven. But it's it's always good to see these Knicks don't quit no matter what. Even with you know fifteen seconds left down three without the ball, you see them fighting. Um, they 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 forced um, the Nets to use two timeouts in a row. And then they got a jump ball by triple team and James Harden. And that leads to, you know, a quick dunk. Or what did that lead to? I don't remember. I think that was a that was a Julius Randle layup to cut it to three. That's yep. what that was. Yes. That's so we were losing by five we were losing by five in this story. Um that cut it to three. And then we we they inbound to Joe Harris and then we force another jump ball there, but we're forced to use our challenge because the ref Anticipating a foul, uh, just calls a foul, and then long break in the action. We win the challenge. We get the get the ball back. We win the jump ball. We use our last time out on the uh, after winning. Then we set up this play where where Julius Randle gets gets the the tough call from the ref. Um, and so let's just let's just be mad about that right now. You know that. Let's blame it all on that. I'm down. Yeah, that sounds I mean, good to me. He, uh, the he only comes other thing down. I think you could bring it. You could, the only other thing you could blame it on, I guess, would be Kyrie Irving was unstoppable in this game. And BBD, you, you, you mentioned it when we were watching the game um, on Zoom. But it, you know, he finished the game with 34 points on 13 of 18 from the field. Huh. I mean, that's just absurd efficiency. And you know, you'd think Frank getting because I, I think Frank's actually a decent matchup for Kyrie. Like Frank's very long, um, and I think he does well with those kind of quick point guards but frank couldn't get a break on the, from the officials tonight he fouled out six fouls in 16 minutes several That's of them were, were quite questionable um he he just got he had no respect no happened. respect from the officials um so you would have liked to see frank try and match up on Kyrie a little bit more but you know quickly i don't think was ready for that matchup and and Bullock was tasked with guarding Harden almost the entire night. So it, it's like, do you put Barrett on on Kyrie? I think Kyrie's just too quick, too fast for Barrett. So so it's really like down to quickly and Neil Akina, I think, as your options for defending Kyrie. And and that was just a, a rough matchup for the rookie. Yeah, I, I th- and quickly did about as good a job as you could have asked him to. I mean, save for a few possessions here and there because he you know he's a rookie. There's so many. So many times throughout the whole game, Kyrie would break out some move. It's just like there's nothing you can do to stop that. That's why, I mean, that's why he's Kyrie Irving. 
makes all NBA teams every year and was the all-star starter, even though he missed however many games and he's crazy good. I hadn't watched a full Kyrie game in a while. I guess I mean, we did just see the 40 point game or whatever it was against the Celtics. That was, yeah, he's, I mean, he is special. Hot take. It is a hot take. Do you think it helps that he has James Harden on his team? <laughs> no, I don't want to blame it all on that, but you know, helps. Yeah, but he does he does some one on one stuff that Yeah. They said a, a few they said a few times on the broadcast that that they mentioned he's on the very short list of you know, the best one on one playmakers you'll find. It's it's true. Yeah, there was one the sequence where uh, where he put a uh, put quickly in the blender, blender, <laughs> and uh, quickly actually played like really good defense on him, and but he was able to to get a floater in the lane over over him in Nerlens and and put it in. So yeah, man, he put he put do. RJ in the blender too on a on a step back. It was just everyone was just getting put in the blender tonight. Like, <laughs> we couldn't stop saying blender. It's tough. One thing I tweeted, I'm curious if you guys agree with this, was that... Um, I don't. Well, you didn't read it. <laughs> you, I, you, correct. You didn't like it, at least, but um, there's still time. You could, you could use an adversary. <laughs> Talking X has, has enough adversaries right now, I think. We're, uh, that's true. We're, we're all set. All right, I'm back on your team. What did, um, did you tweet? I No, I tweeted that... Nights like tonight when we're when the Knicks are going up against kind of elite top tier competition is when you really notice the difference between Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, just as far as like pick and roll defense and rim protection in general. Because um, most nights, Noel does a really good job of kind of being that imitation knockoff Mitch. Um, but, but in games like this, when you're going against initiators like James Harden and Kyrie Irving, you need someone like Mitch to be able to, to really split that difference and you know kind of corral the ball handler while also preventing the lob from the big man rolling behind him. And and Nerlens is just too small. Like I know it's funny to say that about a guy who's like six nine, but he, like for a center, he is small. And and Mitch just being seven one with that crazy wingspan and that vertical leap, it's a whole different th- like a whole different ball game trying to uh, get a lob over him a lob pass or even if like a floater over Mitch. And uh, I just think it's like a huge difference and you really notice it in, in games like this. You guys don't really care though. No, I, I, agree. I agree. I agree. Another bad. That's very well yeah. said. I mean, Mitch, I mean, very clear. You Nerland's, made good use of having Mitch around. Yeah. Nerland's also had zero points on zero shot attempts today. So, I don't. Yeah, I don't Mitch know that Mitch good. would have really helped in that regard, but he could catch some lobs from. That's true. Someone from RJ. He'd have gotten the not, shot not, off. I think uh, quickly he's good at throwing lobs. Yeah, he's, his floater's part of the game. So with Alfred out, then that would have been that would have turned to a positive stuff, and then we would have been able to just give Taj Toppins minutes. Toppins four minutes. You know that's that's actually a pretty good idea, just because Ta, uh, Taj has gotten pretty good at, at stepping out and hitting that corner three. I mean, I think he's probably done it twice, but he looks comfortable doing it, um, and I'm comfortable watching it. 
certainly more so than Obi. I mean, we <laughs> no, I want to see Obi Toppin get minutes. I'm not sitting here saying we need to see more Taj Gibson minutes over Obi Toppin. Um, but yeah, people develop at different rates, so yeah, <laughs> we saw that stat from Mike Vorkanoff of the Athletic today that like Toppin has attempted 20 corner threes. And he's made three and airballed seven. Was that the? Are those the numbers? Yeah, I believe yeah, those are the right. numbers within the tweet. Don't know if that was collected mid game after he airballed another one tonight, or or what? It, when the cutoff is? Uh, but yeah, that I think was that's the what in that tweet. I think that's what prompted it. So I'm going to yeah, assume. I believe that it was. It was. No, but just, like if we were pretending that this were a playoff game and we really needed to win it, then. Yeah, I mean that was an interesting call about moving Gibson to the to the power forward spot because he's he's proven. I mean he's a he's a solid defensive player. He couldn't play that backup center role so much just because again he's I think he's smaller than Nerlens Noel. So yeah, you know, without Mitch we just lose we lose so much of that size and length and verticality that um, it, it's funny because you don't look at a team like the Nets and think that you need an elite. They don't have an elite big on that end, right? You're not worried about DeAndre Jordan hurting hurting you, but it's it's all those guards penetrating, getting into the paint. That's where it hurts you most. That's when you notice it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I I asked you guys this in the just to change the topic. I asked this in the in the group chat, but maybe we can get our listeners' thoughts as well. Um, with the Knicks be better or worse if we if Obi Toppin just became like the celebration guy on the bench and Theo <laughs> Pinson became the, oh, the this backup is an Obi Toppin forward. hate sesh isn't it? Oh god. I'm just I'm just asking. You're saying he so switches roles this segment on the show. He switches roles with Theo Pinson, that's what you're saying? Yeah. Oh my god. I think Theo Pinson could play backup power forward in the he same could manner. Do th- he could do what Obi is currently being asked to do on the floor better yeah. than Obi, perhaps. Yeah, for, I mean, for listeners, like we were pretty low at, uh, as a podcast on Obi prior to the draft, so it's not like it's not like we're basing our entire evaluation on him on only the minutes he's played in the NBA. Like this has gone back to to college we were, too. We weren't but... really fans of his coming into the draft process, and we didn't think it was. Like, I don't think we ever did a draft preview on him. We yeah, we didn't so anticipate him being available. Yet. It's just we haven't I mean, seen just, anything in his minutes that has dissuaded our original opinion of him. You know, he hasn't like proven anybody wrong. But again, it's a it's a rookie who's played like thirty something games. Like, if that, you know, I don't know how worried we really. It's not like he can't turn it around at some point, but it feels like at least this year. It's not fun. Right. We're not projecting yeah, future. We're talking about what we've seen so far. And what we've seen so far has been has been like Walt Clyde Frazier talking about Poku. It's been pretty dreadful. Bill <laughs> uh, Bad saying I mean, he seems like a great guy and, and he's I'm sure he's working hard and all that. And you know, I get to talk myself into him when you get drafted, because what else are you supposed to do? But like kind of keep coming back to saying it and it feels so rude but like how how is he like worse than i thought he'd be <laughs> it's like the and the, you know like the the whole benefit of drafting was that he was supposed to be able to like contribute day one and maybe he's he's been screwed over to an extent by 
Randall completely doing a 180 on his career and becoming what Julius Randall is now and demanding, you know, 40 minutes a night. But I don't think it's all that because the minutes he's getting are not, he's not earning more. <laughs> in his defense, in his defense, I will say, I mean, I started this this mean streak. In his defense, there was four other people on the court during that four minute minus twelve. And they were, yeah, Tom they listed were not them. helping them. Tom listed them, and it was it was they were destined for failure. We we knew that. Yeah. Without, I mean, like pretty much without, pretty much everybody on on Nick's Twitter immediately like tweeted that line up and said we can't we can't do this. Yeah, and, and Kenny <laughs> Kenny even texted us as soon as we found out that quickly he was going to be in the starting lineup. He was just like, that's going to be trouble for the second unit, and that proved to be correct because we we knew that quick, like that was always the rationale for quickly being in the second unit despite outplaying Peyton. You know, everyone kind of in Thibs's corner was saying, it's because quickly buoys that's those second units. He's the guy who's kind of the catalyst. And uh, that was true. <laughs> like, based on this one-game sample size, uh, we can't really – can't refute that. That's just that's kind of a, a fact. Seen enough. I mean, Derek, if Derek I mean, Rose were in that lineup, then that's a different story because Derek, like, he yeah. does a lot of penetration. He can kind of – he gets out in transition. He can create offense for himself and for his teammates. There was just no one else on the court at that time that was able to do that. So, And, that, and that's not the team that you want to – you know, the other team had James Harden on the floor, so – you know, you do the for, math there; it's not going to end up in your favor. For the for the ma- vast majority of this game, it it did kind of feel like one team is the NBA Finals favorite, and the other team is not, and was missing uh, all of its starting level guards. Um, that it, that just is what it felt like most of the game. And it's generous of you to call That's, Alfred Payton a starting level guard. It's um, good to get some yeah, but, some love on this. Yeah, some somebody has to be the elf defender on this podcast. Hmm. So, I mean, uh, just to go back on Obi Toppin real quick, like I know we were all just pretty down on him based on his four-minute stretch there and what we've seen a little bit recently. Um, did we did we ever even talk about his all-star uh, dunk contest performance? I don't know that we did on this podcast. Um, I don't think we did. I mean, we, can, we don't have to. We don't we, have to go back there. We can but, smoothly transition, so that yeah, way we I mean, end I'm fine on a, not on a talking about note. this game anymore, so we can for sure talk about the dunk contest stuff because we were also mean to Obi, and I'm fine being nice to him. Let's do it. What'd you think? So I think the so Obi's first dunk was something I hadn't seen before. I'll say that, and but it, I mean it wasn't like super duper difficult, but it looked cool to me. Like if you did that. If I saw a person do that, I'd be like, wow, that was cool. It looks surprisingly is, smooth, too. You know, like, yeah. he, he doesn't normally look like that on the court. Um, but yeah, that comfortable dunk... Comfortable with movement. Yeah, but that dunk looked really nice. It, it looked... It was, again, like Greg said, it wasn't something that you see every day. It was uh, it was a between the, lo- the legs, but he, like, started, like, going, you know, from back to front, right? And, like, threw it off... He yeah, kind of bounced it in between dribble. his legs. Yeah. Alley-oop. You know, I, it's hard. Go watch it. You know, I, I'm not going to describe it on a yeah. podcast. I'm you don't come to right a, now. You don't come to a podcast a to listen to dunk descriptions. <laughs> it's a nice dunk. Yeah. It was actually I'm, probably I'm, my favorite of the night, actually, like the, of the whole night. 
Yeah, watch, watching yeah. it now for the first time since the contest, and, and that was a good dunk. Greg, was it your favorite dunk of the, of the night as well? I liked Obi's second dunk over over Randall and his dad with the the one handed windmill. The one handed windmill is is impressive. The windmill aspect of that. He did a lot of dunks that like kind of weren't gonna get you points in a dunk contest, but like they were cool. Which I guess is why he didn't win. Well, so that that did he make that second dunk on the first attempt? I think it, it took it two tries or it, it just seems like three. that hills you now. It might have been his first like official attempt because like it's technically a rule for what is an attempt. It, but I yeah, don't was, think it was it the was, first time he tried to jump over his dad and Julius Randall. Yeah, it was kind of like a like a middle schooler being like, "Oh no, that that one doesn't count as an attempt. That that one didn't count. This this one counts." I think also his his spot. In the finals was fairly secure, if I'm remembering. What yeah, so Cassius Stanley. I'm not going to finish because I don't know that for sure. Cassius Stanley did the the one dunk that people the 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 the, the judges didn't give him love for. Yeah. The, I thought that that could have been the single best dunk of the night, or there's an argument for it, <laughs> and it it got the lowest grade. Wait, which one was it? The between the legs that we didn't realize was actually hard. Yeah, exactly. It's a cool dunk. So he did that, and he didn't get the highest marks. Um, and then he basically just gave up and just did like a like a normal person dunk with his second dunk. Yeah, the fact that like it makes sense that we didn't notice that kind of the nuance of that between the legs dunk, but I feel like the judges should have picked up on that, right? Like that's kind of their their yeah. job. If if they if they didn't notice it, then what are they judging? You know? Yeah. But I mean, also, if like they gave him a fifty, and then you had to explain to me why it was cool, <laughs> that's that's kind of a tough look as well. That's lame too. It wasn't that's a great dunk contest. There were not a lot of paths to enjoying it. And they they had to change the format a little bit with the it being at halftime this year. Speaking of cool dunks, LeBron kind of just did one. Um, yeah, they're just being at halftime. There are only three contestants. So it, the whole thing was just kind of, kind of tough. And Cassius Stanley, he he got ca- kind of jobbed on the rating on that first dunk, and then his second dunk was just like, it was just like a normal. Like it, it was, it was like the only free, dunk I like could a, do if I were like tall enough to dunk. <laughs> it was just a little <laughs> That's he, what he just wanted. That's to, what you did. Just wanted to go home. It's like you were down multiple points going into the round, and like that's that's what you broke out. That was the Hail Mary, the, the breaking case of emergency dunk. <laughs> I mean, then I think the worst of it all was was Simon's winning with with his dunk. I think his his other dunks we were, all... were were fine, but that last dunk, yeah. His last dunk was like nothing. He like jumped and tried to kiss the rim and just didn't. It wasn't close know. to it. I don't remember any of his other dunks either, so I only remember his bad dunk, and that's the so champion. He, he, the first one, he put the the plastic rim higher, and he grabbed the ball from like twelve feet up and dunked it. Oh yeah, that was wasn't good. Like, that wasn't good. Yeah, I didn't. That's like I, I get it. You can jump high, but like do something cool instead. Use that height that you get to do something cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. I don't remember the other one. I assume it was between the legs, but I, I don't. I don't have any basis for that. But just based on that's what people do in a dunk contest, I guess. Really so. lame. Really lame dunk contest. Sad times. And then I mean, other than that, Julius Randle was in the All Star game. It was two for two from the field. Uh, I think his team lost. Bummer. Well, nothing. Not much to talk about. He didn't play too much. Knicks came back a, from the. He got a nice dunk in in the game that I think he was excited about. Oh, and he had a nice assist. He threw a nice alley oop as well. Yeah. Um, he was in the skills back challenge. The, yeah. Yeah. We don't. We don't. That was tough. If if you cared about it, it was tough. If you don't, then you know he was just there for to say to tell his mom that he did it. Pretty much. Yeah, he didn't he seem. Prepared to like go when it happened. Yeah, because he was. That's kind of what gets you. Yeah, you, you gotta go. The heads, the head start in the hundred meter dash is tough. <laughs> um, then I guess we'll just quick recap of what else happened this week. We came back, had a terrible game against the Bucks. Randall was bad, therefore the Knicks were bad. We got blown out. Probably his, was that, that his worst game of this year? Probably. Yep, it was. You think he scored seven points. That's a brutal matchup for him, man. Giannis is just so big and so strong and so long and athletic. Like, yeah, that's that's probably I'd imagine that's his worst matchup in the whole league. And I and I think as is, even if it wasn't the worst like one on one matchup he could have. I think there are I, I think I've heard people saying that there's metrics saying he he like doesn't do well on extended rest. Like multiple days off haven't been good for him. So like I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. I didn't look at it myself, so I can make that entire thing up. But hmm. we beat OKC, and that was a good we beat game. them. Yeah, I mean, they didn't. RJ RJ got finally got thirty. Randall triple double. Um, we got to watch Poku be worse than Obi Toppin, so that was that was a good change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Obi just catching strays here, but uh, <laughs> and we opened man. up the can of worms on that one. That was like Obi a comp- and- That was a compliment. That was the compliment. <laughs> I mean, that's as big a compliment as we can give Obi at this point. <laughs> but yeah, RJ getting over thirty. That was awesome. Um. Granted, it was OKC without Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think they're missing other players too. But yeah, if George Hill is on their team, he he wasn't playing either. I think he's still on the team technically. Did you guys know Trevor Ariza is on their roster? No. It blew my mind. I, I did. I did not. I would have because news to me. He was on those like '07 Lakers teams, wasn't he? Or like he got traded like four. Three or four times this offseason. Yeah. Wild. My, my brother and I were sitting there because we, we were just watching him and we were like, it's got to be kind of weird for Al Horford to be playing with guys like everyone on the team's 15 years younger than him. I was like, oh, well, he and George Hill are the same age and he's kind of around. I was like, wait, Trevor Reese is older than him. Horford's not the oldest guy on the team. And I guess Ariza hasn't Trevor's played in a team. game for them, so it's one of the it's like the Iguodala situation from last year. I don't. I actually don't think it is that. I think he's like in like a custody battle, and he's a he's like a personal thing. Well, I'm pretty sure. 
now that now I'll that take your word for it. You're jolting sounds, my memory. It'd be, a, it'd be a crazy rumor. I hope his life's yeah. going going how, how he needs it to. Yeah, it'd be a crazy rumor for me to start right now. So hopefully it's true. Yeah. Well, it's at the end of the podcast, so. And you said allegedly. Or is it? I think we're just hitting our stride. Well, do you want to do what else? Or what else is on? I think that leads us to everyone's favorite sub podcast of this podcast. Tom just mentioned it. What else is on? Yeah. I I've been looking around. I I don't know what I've been watching. I I've, I've Superstore is coming up on the the end. There's gonna only a couple more episodes. I've been keeping up with that. Watched the most recent episode. I was satisfied. I've been satisfied for the most part this season. It started off slow, but they've picked up. It looks like they're gonna they're gonna be be able to close it out. And then um, I actually just started watching. I just started. I mean, I turned it on, kind of fell asleep. Mr. Mayor, which is the new comedy. Ted Danson? On on NBC with Ted Danson and Bobby Moynihan and two other people. So it was was decent. I heard it was decent, yeah. It's not not the good place or superstore, but It's it's just a classic comedy. I watched the first episode of Superstore just the the pilot and uh it was really good it was like a really like pretty much formed sitcom right from the get-go like there's no ramp up there's no you know a lot of sitcoms you're like oh you got to watch the first few to get into it it's like no they had these characters (laughs) they had them locked and loaded right from the start it was pretty impressive um really good pilot so i'm excited to, to continue watching that um yeah, I mean, I finished Ted Lasso, I think, since the last time we, we talked, and I loved it. thought that was just a great first season. I can't wait to watch the second one. And I've actually watched two movies this past week. I've not watched movies in a long time, but I'm back on the movie game. Um, the The Oscar nominations just happened today for, like, you know, all the categories, best picture, best actor, all, and actress, all that. And I watched two of the best picture – well, no – Two that I thought were gonna be best pictures. One was Nomadland, which is like the favorite to win this year, and I did not care for it. Um, I will concede it was like well done and all that, but it was uh, very bleak sounds, and, and sounds depressing. Sounds like it's gonna win. It, I think that it's sounds gonna win. like that sounds like a Rotten Tomatoes darling. You know, that's where you get the hundred percent critic. 50% audience. Or yeah, audience I'm not going to check be. with the... I, I doubt like enough people have really like watched it to... If you've watched Nomadland at this point, is because you like respect critics' opinions and like you're like, oh, I'm going to go with that critic's opinion or whatever. Yeah, but and it's... No, it was not that great. The audience score on that would probably be like 82 because people would be... They would be like, oh, I'm I'm cool. I get movies. So that's I'm going to say that I liked it too. No, totally. I, I, I think that's exactly right, Greg. And, and it was like, I, again, I will concede it was well shot and well acted and, and like deep and meaningful, but it was nothing about it was enjoyable. I was just like, let get me out of here. I don't want to be hanging out with Francis McDormand in a trailer anymore. It's just very isolating and i was watching it alone and i was like i wasn't in the right headspace you got to be like ready emotionally for something like that and i wasn't there i i got the numbers it's 94 percent critic 80 percent audience that sounds right but like does it say what how many audience members have reviewed it i'm curious like what the the volume of, of 100 plus is the only thing it's it's telling me 
That's not that many. I don't know. But that could be that could and be a great deal though. We don't know. <laughs> um, and then the, the other number. the other movie I watched was One Night in Miami, which was is based on a play and it's basically it's based on a true story where it's like so the play was based on a true story where four like African American legends icons we're talking Jim Brown we're talking Muhammad Ali it's Malcolm X and it's the uh the singer of a, of change going to come hold on who, who I'm blanking right now it's Sam Cook sorry so it's those four guys basically just in a hotel room talking about race relations in America and it is it's like a a movie of just conversations the whole time you you get like different pairings and you get group conversations and and altercations and it's it's it was actually I know I'm not describing it that well it was much better than Nomadland and I I would so, recommend it it was like pretty huge pretty cool are, um, are there only four people in this movie, or like they do flashbacks to their? Um, they're not doing flashes to these stories they're talking about. It's just literally them talking. Only a couple times do you leave their present company, um, but it's just extremely well acted and like it's. It was like heavy at times, but also kind of funny. Like the Jim Brown character brings a lot of like no nonsense humor. It was just, it was. Pretty cool. So I, I would recommend that, especially if you like history, because it's, again, based on a true story. Like ESPN did a short film about this night. Jim Brown was interviewed about it when it was after a Muhammad Ali fight. They all went and got together, and just the four of them hung out and, and had themselves a night together um, talking about and it. And it ended up being like this huge, moment, momentous uh, occasion. Muhammad Ali shortly thereafter converted to Islam. Uh, Sam Cooke wrote his his song that was kind of like a, his ballad about change and um, just all these different things sort of happened. M- Malcolm X was actually assassinated shortly thereafter. So um, pretty, it was a cool movie. So I do recommend that one if you have a chance. One Night in Miami, um, give, I'll give it some thumbs up. I don't know what the Rotten Tomatoes scores are. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, 82% by the audience. Well, now I, it's got 500-plus ratings by the audience. Okay, that that means a little bit more then. So, I mean, Kenny would be upset with me if if I didn't mention when you talked about Nomadland being well done but awful. If I didn't mention Eighth Grade, the the movie by Bo Burnham that fits the perfect description. It's like a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I can see that like it's a perfect, it's like perfectly done movie about an eighth grade girl. <laughs> But then it's just like, what, Bo Burnham? Why did you want to make a movie about an eighth grade girl? That's my question to you. I, d- I didn't need to see that. <laughs> it was just like, it was it was Gucci. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's an inside Gucci. joke about about the movie, which you inside. don't, which you shouldn't see. So you'll never get that joke. BBD, what else is on? Yeah, well, I certainly. Certainly, eighth grade is not on now. So, um, <laughs> just turn it off. <laughs> uh, let's see. I yeah, uh, this weekend I started. Well, before that, I watched the the South Park vaccination special, um, which they did a good job. It was one of their better better things they've put out in a little while. 
Um, but this weekend I started the last chance you basketball uh, season they put out or I watched the first half of it. Um, it's good. I, I like kind of, I, I like, I like very moved by a bunch of the guys' stories. Um, like my brother, my other brother, kind of sad. My other brother watched it and he said it was good. Yeah, so far it's it's pretty good. I'm like I'm into it. I have I always had kind of a soft spot for for at least like the original series with the, with the football focus. Um, I like wrote a paper about it in college, which was stupid. Don't remember what it was about, but I know that I did it. Um, yeah, like I mean they say it in episode one. I'm comfortable saying like this one kid, like he his dad died a few years earlier, but and then his mom died of cancer, and he's like. 20 years old and like alone and just trying to like get a D one basketball offer. It's like heavy. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Just feel bad. A lot of, a lot of guys who may make mistakes, but they're good kids and uh, it's tough. So not kind of sinks to be the downer on the, what else is on segment, I guess, but I was kind of a downer right, too. Yeah, so you were I'll try to I'll try to end us on a high worst. note. I can end us on a high note. I actually watched Coming to America, the Coming to America sequel as well. And it was it was fine. I mean you have to go in it with the mindset that the critics it's not gonna win an Academy Award. The critics are gonna give it a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But the audience also gave it a forty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> they hated it but too. Okay, it was it was fine. If you if you go in knowing what you're about to watch, which is just like a bunch of bunch of cameos delivered: Tracy Morgan, Leslie Jones, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, uh, Dikembe Mutombo made a funny funny cameo in it. <laughs> it, was, it was just a good it's a good fun movie. But I think the people probably assumed. That it was going to be more about Eddie Murphy than it was. It was more about his his son, basically. It's pretty much the exact same movie as the first one, but done Huge. differently. So that's probably why the people didn't like it. Were you a big fan of the first one? Yeah, the first one's a classic film. Yeah, it's like this one was more of a of a, a silly sequel to comedy. A classic film. Yeah, it's more of a silly comedy rather than a like a, a classic comedy. Where like it's like, oh, this could actually happen in real life. That type of comedy against like, oh, this is just this is just a joke. Zany. Zany is the word. And the Knicks are zany. Knicks are, are coming up. Next week, no idea, no idea what the predictions are. Don't have the schedule up. Maybe we'll do predictions. We'll call it a day. They How's play the Seventy Sixers tomorrow. They play at they play at Philly tomorrow. Um, versus Orlando Thursday and Sunday night. They host Philly. Do we know if Embiid is going to be back? Embiid's out for two so. weeks at least, they said, so I don't think so. Two but weeks. the Sixers just like balled out yesterday without him. But I mean, I think we gotta steal one of those, so I'll go two and one. You said there was two three games. I I wasn't listening too closely. Sixers twice in magic is what I heard. Yeah, that's that's correct. But when I 
uh, I was looking at the at that schedule before last night before we decided to just wait till after the Nets game, um, and I figured we'd get we'd steal one of the Brooklyn or the two Philly games and we'll beat Orlando. So yeah. same logic. Yeah, you, yep. Yep. Tom, are you gonna be the downer? Or are you gonna be the the optimist? Or no, I think that we've been kind of big into podcast consensus these days. We've really taken a hard left turn from when it was <laughs> no one can have the same yeah, prediction, and now it's like you have to. This is all groupthink <laughs> at this point. And uh, it used, used to be the twenty-one and fifty Knicks. You had to somebody had to pick four and zero, oh, basically. Yes, frequently, yeah. um, <laughs> but now <laughs> we're all voting. For a t- two and one, I love it. It's like you guys are like the critics, and I'm the audience, just going along with it. I love love to hear it. Well, thank you for listening to everyone, especially if uh, if you just listen to like the Knicks podcast and then the ten minutes of of movie talk and then the Knicks again, then you're a true fan, and then we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, please. T- t- you you tweet, don't wait too much out. about us if you do that. Yeah, tweet at us and tell us what else is on over there. I think I think that's what we would like. Or talk to us about the Knicks. We we do that as well. But thank you for listening. Go Knicks. Next tape. Next tape.